Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning once again. We ask that you would take this time that we have dedicated to your worship. Lord, we ask that you would teach us from your word. Lord, that you would show us the things that we need to surrender. That you would convict us of our sin. And Lord, if there be one here today that has not experienced, does not understand what true Bible salvation is, that today would be the day that they would understand what they need to do to be saved, to be born again the Bible way. We ask that your Holy Spirit would have freedom in these services. And Lord, that we would live our worship this week, not just on Sunday. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. First John. Way in the back of your Bible, if you get to Revelation, you've gotten too far. First John. And of course, yesterday was Valentine's Day. And uh, if you did not get a card for your mother, for your wife, or candy, and all of these things, the world says, shame on you. But you know something? If the only reason your your wife thinks that you love her is because she gets candy on Valentine's Day, your marriage is in big trouble now, isn't it? I mean, Hallmark's got to sell cards. We understand that. And so, uh, but if you only celebrate love one day a year, you're a pretty miserable person. Let me tell you, there's 364 and one quarter other days and every one of them ought to be filled with love. Amen? In fact, Jesus said, you, people will know you're my disciples for what? The love that ye have. Now, you know what? I've misquoted that. Let's go. John chapter 13. Let me read it right. I do not want to misquote the Bible. First John chapter 13, verse 35, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. And I, I will tell you, the world is seeking for love. I mean, it is everywhere. And I've often used this example when we talk, when witnessing to a person about why God gives us a choice in salvation. Uh, there are people that, that teach that, uh, uh, that God only saves those people whom He chooses to be saved. That's not in the Scripture. There's other people who say, well, God loves everybody and eventually He's going to save everybody. That's not in the Scripture. The Scripture says that God wants each individual to make a willful choice to surrender our lives to God. That's what happens when you get saved. Amen? It is a moment in time when you make that decision. And I've often used this illustration. is Let's just say that you were... Uh, looking for a husband or a wife, as the case may be, and someone gave you this medicine, this pill or liquid, and all you had to do was pour it in their drink or get someone to take it, and they would love you forever. You could go around and you could look 
and pick out the one that you wanted. And all you had to do was get them to take this, this medicine and they would love you forever. And you never have to worry uh, about being divorced because it would, it would change them forever. Now, don't raise your hand if you'd like to do that. If you would see me after church, you're in need of desperate counseling. Amen? It might be fun for a little while. But after a while, after some time has passed, would you want someone to love you because they had to? That'd be a pretty pitiful existence, wouldn't it? We would never stand for that. And if somehow that person who had taken that medicine found out that you had tricked them into taking that medicine, what would they feel like? Wouldn't they feel violated, taken advantage of? Now, do you think the God of heaven and earth, the creator God of the universe, is going to stoop to tactics that would be disdained and... And, and, and looked at as dishonest by any honest human being? God does not force anyone to get saved. If you want to be miserable, God will let you be miserable. In fact, He'll help you. But if you will come and surrender to Him, He will give you true love. It's the only place you can find it. On earth, because God is love. That's in our text this morning. We're, we're going to try to go through the entire chapter of First John 4 because we want to put this in its context. We go to verse 8, and this is a verse that lots of people love to quote, especially that last little phrase. They don't like the first one so much, the first half of the verse. He that loveth not knoweth not God. For God is love. Love is the greatest of all of life's treasures. Love is stronger than any army that's ever been built. Love is more precious than any amount of this world's resources that can be bestowed upon it. And yet love is most easily carried by a little child. God wants His love to be in us. He wants us to have His love. And if we do, that love has to act. Love without action. Love without a a verb attached. Love without something happening is, is a lie. For God so loved the world, say it with me, that He gave His only begotten Son. Now, we like to talk about love. But if we don't do anything, is it love? I'm sure you heard about the fellow out on the golf course one day. And he was out there, and all of a sudden, a woman in a white dress comes running across the golf course. And he turns around, and he said, I told you, only if it rains, we'll get married today. 
Now that's a joke, not a very good one, but we don't have very many golfers here today, do we? There was one, I can't remember, it was the hockey championship. And uh, some guy was back in the stands and he noticed right down front there was an empty seat. He said, I don't understand it. An empty seat, the Stanley Cup, this is ridiculous. So he goes down said, that was my husband's seat. And she said, well, why didn't you bring any, any of your family to take a seat? He said, well, they're all at the funeral. Now, we've tried to illustrate with the absurd just a little bit. Those, those jokes get a little bit of a chuckle because they illustrate a misdirected love. Now, do they not? And that's what the world, that's the best the world has to offer is a misdirected a temporary love. My daughter found this old hillbilly song that says, I want heartbreak insurance. Uh, I want love with a guarantee. And it goes on and sings the song and, and all of that. I'll tell you, there's only one guarantee that you can have true love. You've got to come to God to get it. Amen. And what we're going to do is we're just going to work our way through this chapter. Let's start in verse 1. Now, it's going to sound kind of strange at first. Because we're talking about love. We're talking about God's love. And the first words are, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, even now already is it in the world. Ye are the children of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world, and the world heareth them. We are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. He that is not of God heareth not us. Hereby, we, hereby know we the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. It's interesting, God starts this great treatise on love. And he explains everything about love that we need to know in this chapter here. But as he starts it out, he spends time on discernment between what is true and what is a lie. The illustration we gave at the very beginning of the medicine that would make someone love you forever, that is a lie. There, there is no way that you can build love on a lie. Love rejoices in truth. You have to have honesty. You have to have truth in order to have love. I was often asked 
because of my wife's family. My father-in-law is a traveling preacher, and the Marshall family was well known. There were ten children traveling all over the country, and, and I was the first to break up the Marshall family. Now, praise God, that happened over 20 years ago, and my wife and I have enjoyed nearly every day of that. But a lot of people would ask, why did she marry you? And I only had one answer. Because she loves me. And they would look at me and say, but why? I said, love is blind, Amen. So you married above your head. Yes, I did. But listen. We look at this thing called love. Love is built on honesty and truth. Why do so many preachers and why do so many religions emphasize fear and doubt and worry? Because their religion is not built on truth. It's built on a lie. And where there's a lie, there can be no love. How much love is in the religion of Islam? Stop and think about it this morning. We want to investigate these things. We want to illustrate it with what's going on in the world. It's a religion that's built on fear and hatred and murder. If you are a Muslim, you're born into a Muslim family, and you turn your back on that religion, your own family members, according to their religion, are supposed to put you to death. What kind of love is that, my friend? What kind of love? The cat, uh, how many of you have ever heard of the Jehovah's Witness group? What's the first thing they do? If you, the first paragraph of their main book, what does it say? It says, preachers have often used this thing called hell that they made up to scare people into being saved. Now, the Bible talks about a place called hell, does it not? But this God of the Bible is a God of love. I come to Him not because of fear. If you're looking for fire insurance this morning... You're going to miss heaven. God doesn't sell fire insurance. If you're looking for a magic wand or some formula to make your life all wonderful, listen, that's not in the Bible. Look what it says here in verse 5. It says, They are of the world, therefore speak they of the world. How many times can you go to church and they'll tell you, listen, if God really is with you, He'll give you a new Rolex watch. This isn't a Rolex. Uh, He'll give you this, and you'll have that, and you can have riches and things. They're of the world. They speak of the world. The love of God is not in them. You say, preacher, you're not being very loving this morning. Well, according to the Bible, you can't get to love until you can tell the difference between truth and error. Because love must be built upon truth. And the first thing that God does is He says, listen, you've got to try the spirits. Not everything that's out there 
that's of Jesus Christ is from the Bible. That's why God gave us this book. We can sit here and we can look through, and this is a responsibility of every individual. You can open this book and you can read and you can check out what people say. You better make sure it comes from the Bible. That's what trying the spirits is all about. You have Joel Osteen with his prosperity gospel. It's what I call feel-good religion. It works for a while. But even the worldlings, even people who are not saved, they said, I've listened to him. I have a, a, a fellow I've been witnessing to ever since we've been in Astoria. I guess it's been almost 17 years now. Uh, he's one of the station sweepers uh, on the end line. And, uh, and I'll see him. I said, now, when are you going to come to church? And he said, I'm going to surprise you one day. I'm going to show up. And I know what that means. He'll probably call me and do his funeral. I don't know. But he, even he said to me, he said, what do you think of that Joel Osteen guy? I think he's a crock. And I said, you're right. He said, all he talks about is feeling good and money and stuff. I said, well, right here it says, they are of the world, therefore they speak of the world. You see, if it's built on fear, it's not built on love. If you go to church because you're afraid that you're going to drop into hell if you don't show up on Sunday morning, that's not in the Bible. That's not love. That's a false spirit. Religion has often used fear. And when they can't use fear anymore, they use persecution and the sword. The Bible tells us, we are of God. He that knoweth God heareth us. You find somebody that corrects this book, that changes the words. Well, we know what the words say, but they mean something else. You can know that that is the spirit of error. If that preacher or that person that is speaking to you is the only person in the world that is smart enough to figure something out and say, listen, I found something brand new. How many remember the Bible Code? That was a book that was very popular a few years ago where they said that uh, uh, Bill Clinton and Monica Lewinsky were actually prophesied in the Bible and and uh, the uh, assassination of uh, the Prime Minister of Israel, and all of that those things were in the Bible. They were just in code. And a lot of Christians are saying, wow, where did that come from? Let me tell you, if they're not going to listen to the simple words that are already written here, don't worry about something hidden in the, in the text. And by the way, All that they did was they took the entire Bible, which is about a million characters, and arranged it in a text block. If you could imagine uh, a matrix, if you're in mathematics, a million by a million. And then they just kept changing the rows and the columns until words begin to be spelled out. Uh, Let me tell you, you can do that with any book. 
That's not how God intended us to understand the Bible. If you'll hear what's written. See, you're just such a, uh, a simplest. Uh, uh, I mean, you literally believe that when the Bible says that uh, uh, the whale swallowed Jonah, you really believe that? Yes, I do. I really believe that when God said, let there be light, light appeared. I really believe that six days, all creation was done. I also believe that Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for my sins. And that there's no salvation outside a simple faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And I'm not worried about my bank account. And I'm not worried about what the new president's going to do. I pray for him. Amen? We pray for him every time we have prayer meeting. He's on our list. We pray for our senators. We pray for our mayor. We pray for those people that are... Because the Bible tells us to. It's that simple. Amen? You see... If I get past the, the untrue spirits that are in the world, then I can build a relationship on honesty and truthfulness. And that's the only kind of love that really matters, isn't it? You've got to get past the lie to find true love. And the only way you can do that is to read what the Bible says. I, I can't tell you how many people over the years, well, Pastor, I have so many questions. Ask them. Amen? In fact, we've got little papers on the visitor table that you can write out any question you want and put on there. And as long as it's suitable for public discussion and we have enough questions that we take the first Sunday night, or actually it's the last Sunday night of each month, and we'll spend that evening service answering Bible questions. We didn't do it last month because we didn't have enough questions. So, write your questions. Fill them out. We don't have any problems. The Bible says, try the spirits. It's not wrong to question and examine the Word of God. When you go to the bank and you give them a dollar bill, what's the first thing they do with it? I saw uh, one of the tellers, they had a special machine there just at the bank this week. And she was putting this $10 bill under this thing in a special light and saying, I don't see the watermark here and I don't see this. And the other teller came in and she was holding, I mean, they were arguing back and forth and trying to figure out whether that thing was real or not. This is God's counterfeit detector right here. Just look it up. Put it under the light of this book. Wouldn't it be awful to finally find another human being that you could share your life with? And then find out that they lied to you 
about who they are and their past. And that happens a lot, doesn't it? And it undermines everything that you thought was there. And all of a sudden, what you thought was love turns into something that's worse than hatred. Because the only reason you cared about them was you, you had built a relationship of trust and now they violated that trust. I'm here to tell you that God never violates His trust. Now, sometimes He'll wait longer than we think He ought to. I preached a funeral Friday for a family. And uh, spent the time going through the story of Lazarus. Fortunately, the man for whom I preached the funeral... He had trusted the Lord as his Savior a month before he passed away. Talk about getting into heaven by the skin of your teeth. But at least he trusted the Lord. Jesus showed up to Lazarus' place four days late, didn't he? Both Mary and Martha, his sisters, felt the Lord had violated his trust. But had he? Absolutely not. He was going to do a greater miracle than they could even imagine. But he had to put them through a little suffering first, didn't he? And sometimes God allows us to go through difficult times. But I'll tell you, you go through those difficult times trusting in the Lord and your faith will only be stronger. You examine the facts. You test God's Word. And you'll find out that your faith is only stronger. I've been studying this book full time since 1982. I've devoted my entire adult life to the study and the preaching and the teaching of this book. And I believe it more now than I did back then. You know why? Because I know more now. I've seen more of life. I've experienced more things. And I found that God is always true. And the man is always a liar. Now let's look, go on. Verse 7. It said, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God. For God is love. In this was manifested the love of God toward us, that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Herein is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. The working of God's love in your life is first going to bring an understanding of what is true and what is error. The second thing that God's love is going to do, if you will allow it to work in your life, it will give you a reason to love other people. 
We enjoy being around certain people because they do good things for us. We enjoy being around other people because they, they make life fun. I mean, there's certain people, I mean, they just always, life of the party, they always have some funny story to tell, always make just, it's just in, in fun to be around some people. But you know, this thing called love is very elusive, is it not? And we, we talk about it and we hope to find it someday and, and we think and we have websites and you can take uh, whatever Dr. Neil Clark Warren or whatever his name, 39 uh, things of matching and, and you can do all of these things. But real love is built on truthfulness and real love is built on the personal presence of God. Today, we have more marriages break up in the 20 to 30 year range than in any other time in history. People have been married 15, 20, you would think after 20 years of investing your life in each other, that, that you would finally get to a point to where you couldn't live without each other. Instead, we have people heading to divorce court after 20 years. And the whole reason is, it takes more than human effort to love God, to love each other. It takes the presence of Almighty God to love another human being. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is one of the most wonderful things in the Bible, is it not? The reason I can forgive other people and cannot hold a grudge against them is not because I'm such a wonderful person. It's because Jesus Christ has forgiven me for every sin. He loved me on the cross. I cannot hold against another person what Jesus Christ was willing to die for on the cross. Amen? That's where love comes from. That's why I must have God in my life in order to truly love another human being. God is love. Love comes from God. When He gives us love that we can share between us and another human being, and, and our first thought when we think about this is husband and wife, but... Let me tell you, there is love that God wants us to share as brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? There is true love that God wants us to share between us and every other human being that lives on this earth. Every opportunity I get, and I'm going to be honest, I don't know that I take advantage of everyone, but I try. I want to share the love of God with people. Someone said, you said some mean things about Islam before. Yeah, and every time I meet someone who practices that religion, I try to share the love of God with them. Because I want them to be saved. want them to be saved from a life of fear and oppression. 
And the same goes with the oppression of the cults and of the Catholic and the Orthodox churches, of the Protestant religions. Because they're all efforts in order to help man be good enough to please God. That can never, ever happen. It is the love of God. He was the propitiation, the payment for our sins. God paid Himself what I owed. That's what the word propitiation means. You can't find any greater love than a man willing to lay down his life for his friends. Amen? But God commendeth His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Jesus died for His enemies, for those that hated Him and cursed Him, for those that drove the nails in His hands, those that beat Him and spit upon Him and pulled His beard from His face. Jesus died for them. The greatest example of love Only God could love like that. That's why we need His presence in our lives. And when that comes, look at verse 12. No man has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God dwelleth in us and His love is perfected in us. If I have God's love In my soul, I have to. I must. It is mandatory that I love other people. Because I can't have God's love in me and not have it leak out and touch someone else's life. Amen? If you can hold God's love And box it up tightly and keep it for yourself. It's not God's love. God's love is bigger than you are. Amen? He transcends all humanity in the universe we live in, yet He's not in the trees and the flowers. We don't believe in pantheism. Nature is not God. God is the creator of nature. And we have His love. On August 27th, 1977, August 28th, I'm sorry. 1977, as a young boy, I trusted the Lord as my Savior. He saved me on that day. I've not always obeyed Him, but He's always loved me. Amen? I've had people say, Pastor, you're just lucky. you got a nice wife. you got a good family. you got a good job. you got all of these things. No, no, it, It doesn't work that way. You see, you love the Lord. And that love has to go out and change things that happen in your life. Verse 13 says, Hereby know know we that we dwell in Him and He in us, because He hath given us of His Spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world, whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in Him, and He in God. And we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in Him. 
Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. Now, we'll stop right there for a minute. If you will allow God's love to work in your life, the first thing that will happen is you'll be able to discern the difference between truth and error. The second thing that's going to happen is you will now have a reason to love other people because of the love that God has given you. The next example, the the next thing that happens is in the verses we just read, you will now have the ability and the capability to love other people God's way. The greatest way you can demonstrate God's love is to testify of what Jesus Christ has done in your life and help them come to Jesus and find the faith that He has. That is the greatest example of love that you can give to another human being in this life. Not everyone is going to be saved. Not everyone is going to accept that. Remember, probably never forget this. We, my wife and I, we were only married a few months. And uh, we had a Sunday school class for newly married couples. And uh, the leader of the class said, Hey, Pete, why don't you go visit these people? He said, uh, We've all tried and it just never worked. And I said, Why don't you go visit them? And I, I said, Okay. Tell me a little bit about them. Well, uh, he went to Heritage Christian School, the church school there, but he got married and he stopped coming to church and he hasn't been back for several years. And we've tried to talk to him and I said, well, man, I'll go visit him. And so Julie and I went and we knocked on the door and sure enough, he and his wife were home and they let us in and we began talking. And he said, you know, that pastor Folger there, he's crazy. I said, Really? And at that time, Pastor Folger was only the assistant pastor at the church. I said, tell me about this. I said, I know Pastor Folger. Uh, I said, I don't think he's crazy. He said, oh, he told me I didn't love my wife. And I love her very much. And he put his arm around her and she smiled and he said, we just love each other so much. I said, why would he say something like that? He said, because she wasn't saved. He said that. I said, really? I said, uh, and I looked at her and I said, are you saved? She said, no. I said, you mean you've been married, I think it was two years, and he's never told you how to be saved? She said, no, he never did. I said, would you mind if I told you how to be saved? She said, no, not at all. Please do. And I opened up the Bible and shared the gospel with her, how Jesus loved her and paid the price for her sins on the cross. I said, have you ever sinned? And she looked at me and said, yeah, hasn't everybody? I said, that's exactly true. The Bible says for all have sinned. And we went right through the plan of salvation and she prayed to trust the Lord as her Savior. Now, I didn't do it. Maybe I should have looked at him and said, Pastor Folger was right. 
you're willing to marry this woman and devote your life to her and let her go to hell. What kind of love is that, my friend? What kind of love is that? It's not the Bible kind. If I have nothing on this earth, I want my children to be with me in heaven. Amen? I don't have to know you to care about your soul. The greatest reason we don't witness to people is fear. That's why we stopped reading before we got to verse 18. There is no fear in love. How many of you have been afraid to pass out tracts? How many have been afraid to tell somebody about Jesus? How many of you have been afraid? And because of that fear, you've not been obedient to God. Afraid of getting baptized. Afraid of joining church and serving the Lord. Afraid of taking a stand for what is right and what is true. It's, let's just read to the end of the chapter. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth not, he that feareth, I'm sorry, is not made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. If any man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. There's a lot of fear in this world, is there not? In fact, one of these psycho kooks, kooks the founders of the realm of psychology built an entire understanding of the human psyche and that based upon fear. Saying that every reason, that every, the reason why we do everything we do is based upon fear. I want to tell you something. God doesn't want us to live in fear. You get up and preach a message like this, to a group of people, and you know what? There may be some people that don't come back. There may be some people that get offended. And I'm not here saying that that doesn't affect me. I, uh, As a human being, I, I want every person to come and to stay in church. I want the reason why you're here is to be because of this book, but I'm not afraid of anything this book says. Everything that we've talked about this morning has been right from the pages of this book. You say, you'd be afraid if you, if you got to talk to some great person. Well, probably would be in, in my physical person, but I'd pray. I'd, I'd want to care enough about anybody I would meet to give them the truth. Amen? I've had people say, Pastor, 
I'm never going to come back to this church because of what you said. It's happened dozens of times. I remember one guy in particular, I said, listen, if, if you think that the writings of other men are equal with this book called the Bible, I said, you don't belong at this church. Our church is about this book. Because this book tells me the difference between right and wrong. You're not very loving when you criticize all those preachers that have done so much more than you ever will. Well, no, I'm not criticizing them. I'm just showing you what the Bible says about them and exposes them as having the spirit of error. The world loves the spirit of error. That's why there are big churches out there. Because it's easy to go to a church where money will buy you anything you need. It's easy to go to a church where you just want to feel good. It's hard to serve God His way because the Bible says so. But that's the truth. And that's real love. Amen? And that love casteth out fear. I don't have to be afraid. He said, well, what if they pass a law? I'll just keep serving God. He said, they can put you in jail. Well, we'll start a prison ministry. Amen. Paul spent over two years in prison chained to a Roman guard. He said when he wrote the book to the Romans, he said, I want to come to you in the will of God. My old Bible had a big wide margin around the text. And in the little space I wrote, in chains, because that's how Paul went to Rome in the will of God, wasn't it? And yet, you read the book of Philippians. Paul wrote that book from Rome in chains. It's the book of rejoicing. He said, I'm getting more accomplished for God with these chains than I could without them. Because God's plan is always perfect. I'm not afraid of what the future may hold. This could be the last sermon I ever preach. Let me tell you. The love of God is greater than all the world has to offer. I don't have to be afraid of tomorrow because the Lord has planned my footsteps. I don't have to be afraid of what people think as long as I'm obedient to what God has said. That's the kind of love that we need in this world. You want to change society in which we live? There is no boundary that love has not broken down. There is no army that love has not defeated. There is no power on this earth that has stood against love because God is love. Amen? The weapons of our warfare are not carnal. It is love. 
it casteth out fear. It gives us confidence that when we stand before God, we can know that He will say, Come in. Welcome, my child. That is love. If you don't have that, I don't care how wonderful you think your life is. When you stand before God, you'll find out it was all just a shadow. If you have God's love, it will last for all eternity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come before you. The prayer is this morning that you would work in hearts. Lord, we can't get to the love of God until we understand the difference between truth and error. Lord, we thank You that You've given us a reason and an ability and taken away our fear in expressing the love that You have for us to others. Lord, we ask that we would truly get to the point of worship this morning. That we would, those here that are saved today, would surrender or resurrender their hearts to the love of God. That we'd be willing to testify, we'd be willing to talk to others about our Savior. That we would allow that love of God to flow through us, to understand that it cannot be kept a secret. Lord, we ask that You would work in the lives of those here today that are unsaved. That today would be the day that they would surrender to the love of God. Be born again in the Bible way. We ask You to work during this time of invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together.